welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review while you're there. Did you know there is an easy way to help support the podcast and keep the show going? Buy Me A Coffee is an incredible new platform where you, the loyal Block Talk audience, can say thank you to your favorite host. All you have to do is show support with a few taps by leaving a little tip that's just like buying me a cup of coffee. And the great thing is, you don't even need to create an account. Visit buymeacoffee.com slash blocktalk and keep blocktalk going strong like a cup of coffee. And as always, follow me on Instagram at michaelblocktalk, on Twitter at blocktalknyc, and visit theaterthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. She's got one of the most recognizable mugs in New York City and a drag name so smart that it goes over some kids' heads. It's the fabulous Virginia Thick. Hello. Hi. Hi. How Welcome. are you? Uh, you know what? I'm hanging in there. Um, <laughs> it's 2022. It's probably been like, what, three years since I've seen you in person? It's something like that. Yeah. I mean, there's like a war now. This is crazy. I, oh, God. There is a, a war now. Twice. Yeah. Like, think, th- the world is going changed. crazy. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. How have you been? I've been great. I've been fantastic. I mean, despite all of that that we just talked about, I've been mm-hmm. I've been doing good. Yeah, yeah. You've been keeping busy, keeping keeping active uh, as a drag artist in New York City. Trying to be elusive, you know. Yeah, ducking in and out of gigs as as you got to do. Well, yeah. I'm excited to talk about you and have the listeners learn about you. So we're going to start at the very beginning. Let's Where go back. From? Where are you from? I'm originally from California, San Francisco. All right, so you're going to claim San Francisco as the city. Yeah, San Francisco is like born and raised. All right, so we're not going to go San Jose or Sacramento. It's San Francisco. I claim San Francisco. So I grew up in the East Bay, so like Mm -hmm. suburbs. Um, Went to college, LA, San Diego for a little bit, and then moved back to San Francisco proper when I was an adult. And um, yeah, so that's like where I came out in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. That's where I got involved in nightlife in San Francisco. That's where like all my like, that's where I made my first gay friends there. So that is, I feel like, where when I became myself, that's where it happened. I feel like there are ways to say, okay, like this is a gay city, this is a gay city. But I feel like the gayest city in America is San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, that's the history is there. Like the Castro, mm-hmm. like it's, it's, I mean, it's just where all the gay people had to go. It's like they were, you know, in the middle of the AIDS epidemic. There's so much history there. Um, I mean, modern is just, you know, there's a lot of gay people everywhere in that city and it's a very open city. But I mean, yeah, I mean, just the history of the Castro is just like amazing. Like it was all these rundown houses and no one would sell the gay people. So they bought all these old rundown houses. They fixed them up and they're fabulous. And now they're three, four, five million dollar houses in the Castro. Yeah, which and gay, and gay people reason, can't afford anymore. It's true. And <laughs> and uh, an episode or two ago on Drag Race, we had um, the discussion of uh, Folsom, which takes place mm-hmm. in San Francisco. Love and again, it. it's like in San Francisco, you don't bat an eye at that. That that that's culture. That's that's what you do there. On the corner of uh, Market and Castro, there was like benches and everything hang out. And like, so when I first came out and would go, the, even as a kid going to the city, like very common to see naked people. And I remember like, oh god, like. 10 years ago, they made it so like 
you can be naked, but you have to put a towel down if you sit on anything public or you go into a restaurant. Like that's how open San Francisco is. I okay, I, I appreciate the <laughs> towel rule because you don't know where the bums have been. We don't know, but they've been outside. Not all day. the homeless people. Sweaty. I'm literally the bums. I'm talking about the <laughs> yeah, exactly. The homeless people are fully clothed. It's the people if, who have houses that are walking around with their dicks out. <laughs> what were you like as a child in San Francisco? What was I like as a child? Um, I was always the kid in school that the first half of the semester, it was like, they don't talk. They're really quiet. They need to speak up. Like, we don't know. They're just super shy. And by like the end of the school year, they're just like, Ricky won't shut up. We have to separate him from all the girls in the class. <laughs> he sits in the back corner because he can't shut up. So I do like that huge arc, like, which I think is like how I am now. Like with, I'm really quiet and almost shy when I first go into somewhere. Then the more I get to know people, I just like, I just skyrocket and I'm just a mess. Were you a popular kid? I like to think so. I think I had the very like stereotypical like gay growing up in high school where like I hung out with all the very popular girls and they were like my mm-hmm. safety boundaries. So I couldn't really get bullied too much by the jocks. But if I ever like left the girls, then, you know. Absolutely. Hate crimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you you are a very artistic person. Where 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 did that when did you tap into all that? Um, I've always been like, I would never say I'm an artist. Like I would always say like a professional doodler. My mm-hmm. dad is a tattoo artist. So I just grew up with just art always around the house and kind of like, I would consider tattoo like a modern art and sure. just very open to different kinds. And, uh, just always been drawn to that. I never really wanted to tattoo too much, but I just loved doodling and drawing. And then as I grew up, I just saw makeup and got hooked on drag and it wasn't, it was just more of the transformation is what I love of it. Totally. I just started studying faces and how to change faces and and then it just took off. Found YouTube. Let, so. let, let's talk about some tattoos. Do you have any? I have a whole bunch. I have uh I have more than a I have this one is my newest one. Wait, can we mm-hmm. oh cool? See, no, that, that I do wait, that's not my newest one. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I buttoned up my sleeves for this interview. It's just this little little heart oh, cool. right there. I love that. It's my newest one. Yeah. So I have like shoulders, um, one that goes down my back, on the back side of my hip, front of hips, ankles, hands, one here. So more coming. Did your dad ever uh, tattoo you? Most of them are from my dad. So all the small ones, like that little heart, are mm-hmm. just like, you know, they're like Friday the 13th, $25 tattoos. Mm-hmm. The small ones are just those mm-hmm. here in the city, like with friends and stuff like that. But all my big ones, like the one on my hand, back, and like the front of my pelvis, those are all my dad's. Did you get a friends and family discount? I did. Yeah. Luckily, I don't have to pay, which makes me really <laughs> stuck up when I go to the tattoo shop, like with Megami and Zabaleta. They're like, it's $99. I'm like, I'm not going to pay for that. I'm just going to wait three months to when I go home and get it for free. <laughs> I love that. I'm here for it. Has he tattooed any of your friends? Um, not my current friends, but back home, like all my California friends. Yeah, they all have tattoos nice. from them. I love that. Yeah. All right, so you went to school down south um, in mm-hmm. California. What is yes. the biggest different uh, difference between North Cali and South Cali? Um, the, uh, uh, I would say, oh my god, there's like a huge difference. I can't even think about it. Like, okay, I when I went to school like in LA, like I to me it was just exhausting, like just trying to keep up and just trying to be cool. Oh. Um, I would say like SoCal is definitely in like it's LA, it's Hollywood, it's who you know, who, like, what are you doing? Who's your connections? Like, it's just a bunch of dropping names. And San Francisco and the Bay Area is like the same, 
but you're just not open about it. You know what I mean? Like you casually sign in that you work for Google, that your friends started Twitter and stuff like that. It's very more techie. And uh, LA is definitely like, oh, I'm on this movie set. I'm going to this party. Oh, I know like this mansion in the hills. And it's um, it's a big city. It's really expensive. Your money just goes like that. When did you start entering the world of nightlife? Oh my gosh. Uh, I was 22, 23 is when I started. And I started as a go-go dancer. Mm-hmm. So I had natural progression, go-go dancing into drag. Um, my very first go-go dancing gig was for a Latin party called Pan Dulce. Mm-hmm. And it was like my third night dancing for them. And they were just like, hey, like, you don't really know any of these songs, do you? And I was like, I don't. And they're like, you're like a really bad Latin. And I was like, well, that's because I'm not Latin. <laughs> I'm Japanese. <laughs> so um, I was their only non-Latin dancer and their only Asian dancer. Um, they kept me on, which was great. And um, they really, I think, opened a lot of the doors because they would hire me for the certain clubs and then I make the connections and I was able to dance those clubs other nights. They brought me down to LA a lot. So I met like the Mickey's, um, the Abbey and whatever's next door to the Mickey's. I don't even remember. Um, so I was able to dance all those places. And then as time went on, I was able to dance when I traveled like in New Orleans and stuff like that. Would you say go-go dancing is a job or is it fun? I always thought it was fun. I always thought like I got paid to like drink and dance and socialize mm-hmm. with people and someone who's like kind of shy going out. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed it because it kind of gave me a job to do. So like right. I was there I was on a box, I was dancing, and I was paid to kind of interact with people. So it kind of helped me like break out of my shell. Were you ever fearful of boundaries? Um, no, I think that's the one I, I wasn't, but I was also mm-hmm. very cautious. Like sure. um, I would always kind of watch the hands, like as I'm dancing, like I'd watch the hands reaching out, like if they were tipping or just like reaching mm-hmm. out and I would dance away and I, I wouldn't be afraid to like grab somebody or stop somebody from touching me somewhere that, I didn't want them to touch. Absolutely, But I saw it all the time. Um, Was there anyone who like guided you through how to be a go-go dancer? It was actually the drag queens who did it. So like it was um, BB Sweetbriar, who's a drag queen in San Francisco and Malay Balenciaga. And I would just always, they would always be the drag queens at the shows and they would just be like, honey, you need to wear this. Honey, you need to wear that. Um, Do this, do this, stand over here, get that guy over there. He has lots of money. So they kind of really helped me out. That's amazing. Now let's talk about drag. When did drag enter your life? About three, three, three and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. Two years before the pandemic in New York. Yeah. So I always wanted to do it. um, And I kind of messed around with makeup a little bit, but I was always scared in San Francisco to do it just because I was like, oh, if I suck, I have to see these people the next day. So about like a year or so after moving to New York, me and my friend were just like, I'm just going to do it. I don't know anybody. I have two friends here. So if I fuck up or I like bomb horribly, no one will ever know I, it was me. So what YouTube video was the one that started the mug that I think is really one of the most recognizable in New York? The one, Okay, so the best YouTube video, there was this girl from the UK and she would recreate all the Drag Race queens. I don't even remember her name. So I'd watch all hers. And then it was Milk had a makeup tutorial, uh, like Milk the Drag Queen. And it was SPF, standard pretty face. And I literally took notes and bought every single product that they used. And then that that was, I think, the best video for me to get the foundation down. How would you describe your aesthetic when it comes to drag? 
oh, it's changed so much. Like right now, I think it's like Virginia is very beautiful. Like she's glamour. Um, I love like the old school pageant drag. So it's that with like a little bit of edge. Like I, I'll still never lose that edge. Like last night I wore like feathers and sequins mm-hmm. and like human hair, but I, and like a really, I would say soft mug, but I still had like red contacts in. Like oh. I just kind of want that little bit of edge that like I had when I started. All right, let's let's go through the origin story. How did mm-hmm. Virginia Thick come to be? Like how she got her name? Yeah. Oh God, it was horrible. So I had zero idea of what I wanted to be called in drag. I was almost gonna be called um, Ferrari Ducati, which Ferrari the car, Ducati mm-hmm. the bike, because I love cars and uh-huh. um, I thought RuPaul's Drag Race was RuPaul hosting a show about like drag racing cars. Yeah, of course. So of course. Um, I thought it was that, but um, I just wasn't sold on it. And then I worked as like an interior design specialist at Williams Sonoma when I first moved to New York. And there was this one lady, her name was Virgie, Virginia. She was typical New York, super mean to the customers. And like the night I was getting ready, I was like, I'm just going to steal her name. She's very New York. And it was Virgie. <laughs> I met Madeline Hatter the first night at Monster and I was like, hi, I'm Virgie. Nice to meet you. I'm a huge fan. And she's like, that's a stupid name. Do you want to perform? And I was like, uh, no. And my friend was like, yeah, she does. We'll find a song. And they introduced me on stage as Virginia. Then I went Virginia, Virginia Slims, but I was padded. So Virginia Thick, and it just stuck. There it is. I mean, I made the joke earlier because I mean, Virginia Slims, they're not really relevant as much that more. No. Um, so for the Gen Zers, they're like, what? I don't get it. It's a good name. Like, it's funny because like I'm not a comedy queen and it's definitely a pun name, but like sure. 15% of people kind of get it. They're like, oh, like the cigarettes. And then they laugh. But like a lot of people are like, are you from Virginia? And I'm like, never been. Never been. Yeah. How would you describe Virginia in three words? Not the state, you. How, oh, um, um, I would say like beat, cunt, and uh, like just fabulous. Like the aesthetics mm-hmm. is what I love. So anything to describe that. How long did it take to transform to Virginia? Right now I'm clocking in in about an hour and a half from like, okay. from like hopping out of the shower to like my lashes on. Like last thing I do is lashes. Not too bad. It used to be like three to four hours, so... Yeah, I mean, listen, some people just love to have, um, ha- make it like a ceremony to get ready. It is. Like, I have, like, my friends, like, they love performing. So, like, getting into drag for them is, like, the job to have fun. To yeah. me, the makeup is, like, the fun part. Like, getting in face. And then, like, once I'm done putting on my makeup, I'm like, well, that was fun. Now I have to go perform. <laughs> and that's the hard part for me. What are your some of your favorite makeup products? My favorite makeup products, um, Mac Studio FX powder to set the face. Um, I feel that like adds the skin texture back. Um, I know it's very controversial, and I'm only using it because I already bought it. The James Charles James Charles palette has everything in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Juvia's place has great makeup at very affordable at very affordable prices. So like that's my go to for like kind that. of the basics. Yeah. Let's say Morphe said, Virginia, we love what you do. We mm-hmm. want to make a palette for you. What colors are included? Purples and blues. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like, I love a good purple eye. I think it would just be like purples, blues, and like 
warm nudes. That would be like my ideal palette. No shiny, like no glitter, no gloss, no holographic, just all matte. All right. Who were some of the first people that helped you out on your drag journey? Uh, Madeline Hatter, for sure. Like she, she's my drag mom. uh, And she really just like, I remember asking her at the end of the first night, I was like, I want to do drag. Like I want to do drag. And she's like, okay, it's expensive. You know, how to sew, you know, to do a wig and like work your ass off. And then we just kind of became close. And like, she taught me how to sew. She taught me how to sell wigs. She taught me the whole business side of drag too, which has come in useful. And it's allowed me to like travel with it. Um, And she's taught me how to like, just make connections at bars and how to get other gigs from gigs that you're at. So she really, I think was the main person that helped me like the business side of drag and the basics. And then just starting drag with like Megami and Zabaleta and just having those sisters that we were able to kind of go through that journey together and just hang out. And that just brought us closer together and like bounce things off each other. How would you say that your drag has grown since you started? I would say it's evolved so much since I've started, like since when I met you, um, I've learned how to blend better, rely less on eyeliner, (laughs) make Mm -hmm. my lips a little smaller. Um, I just think that my drag now, like post pandemic is kind of what I've always visioned my drag to be. I've just gotten comfortable in this, in my skill set to like really, really see the Virginia that I kind of originally saw at the beginning. Sure. All right. She's a Cosmo queen. Tell us about that. That's right. It was a dream come true. Um, When I started drag, two things I wanted to do was to be a Cosmo queen and be on drag race. So Mm -hmm. one of those things is done. Um, It was, it was amazing. We filmed in the Hertz building. It was a huge studio. They were super nice. Um, And it was just like a dream come true. Like it was just, it was just everything I, I wanted when I started drag. So I was just like living that day, having so much fun. The like the lady who hired me was just it, it was just amazing. It was I didn't have I don't even know what to say. It was, so you you were cool. part of the um, Cosmo King class, got to do it in person as opposed to being sent the phones. Exactly. Yes. No. I was, <laughs> I am so glad in person. Okay. So funny story. I was supposed to do it three months earlier. So they reached out. We had everything booked. You have to like send them uh, pictures of what you're gonna like wear, what color makeup you're gonna do, so they can like do the background stuff. Um, so I did all of that, and this is when you had to get COVID tested before you did anything. Sure. And the day before, I got a false positive COVID test. Mm. So and I had to get COVID tested every other week for work, anyway. So I was like, cool. Like, I'll time them right, just perfect. And I was at work and I got the email saying like, okay, your COVID test is positive. And I work at a salon and I was at the shampoo bowls and I literally just started crying and not because I had to miss work for two weeks because I couldn't do Cosmo. And I like, <laughs> packed my stuff. I told like the front desk, like, Hey, um, I think I have COVID. Everyone should get tested. I like, I went outside and I was bawling. I walked all the way home from 20th street to third street. It's like a 45 minute walk crying the whole time and I had to call Val and I was like Val I took a COVID test and it's positive and I will never forget I was on the side of a park crying she was like it's gonna be okay you're gonna be I was like it's not me I just want to film Cosmo and she'll we'll rebook you on the next set don't worry um and then she reached out a month later and I got my next date and it was the scariest day of my life I can imagine now how did you get reached out uh for the opportunity Instagram. It was just straight up Instagram. She saw my Instagram and just sent me an email 
And I was like, this isn't real. This can't be real. So I just like emailed her back and then she sent me all the details and I was like, oh shit, it's happening. This is it. I love that. Um, yeah. What, what makes it so iconic to do a Cosmo Queen? Because there, there are people at the point now who are like begging for it. And I'm like, girl, you're not even close to being a Cosmo Queen. <laughs> I mean, I was one of the girls I was begging for it from like the first day I put on lipstick. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm fierce. And I'm glad. I'm glad it happened when it did. Yeah. Um, I think it's just, it's just like, first, it was like all the RuPaul girls. And it was almost right. always RuPaul girls. And it was always like a couple extra like local girls in there. So it was kind of just that prestige. And just like the name, it's just a huge publication that's known around the world. And just the platform it has to offer is, is huge. What kind of spike did you get on social media once it came out? Oof, not that much. <laughs> I think Cosmo Queen, like, like it's, I've talked about it, like, with, like, Neon and other girls who have done it recently and girls who want to do it. And I always say, like, it's not paid. Um, you don't have a huge spike in your social media anymore. But um, it's just the experience. It's just a really great experience and just something really cool to have. Um, and I'll always have that. Like, it will always be, right. like, my face is Ricky, my face as Virginia, and then the Cosmopolitan logo just like like thrown right across it. Perfect um, for an audition tape. Exactly. And it, it was maybe in an audition tape. Um, <laughs> my my first two beauty tutorials I did, the very first one I did, I had a few thousand followers on Instagram. And that's really what I feel like spiked my Instagram game. Let's talk fashion. Where do you mm-hmm. get your inspirations? <sighs> my inspiration, it's uh, everywhere. Like I... I love fashion. I'm not like into like, I, I can't tell you like what designers collection, um, you know, is like from what or my inspirations. I just like, I'm just always screenshotting things that I see on Instagram, always screenshotting things on Pinterest, saving it and just doing my best to try to recreate them. I'm at a point now, I feel my career where I have uh, steady gigs and steady income coming from drag that I kind of keep my drag money and my living right. money separate that I'm actually able to like, I don't have to make everything myself. So they're more than just leotards and I can like kind of like pull inspiration and I can send all those screenshots to a designer and say, Hey, I like this. Can we make something like this? So it's just a mashup of anything. Like, I mean, I love old drags. So I'm really right now like feathers, furs, gold chains. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of mashing all that stuff together. And I do my best to not mimic another outfit like verbatim. I, sure. I, try to make it like my own twist. The same I do with like drag. I feel like my drag is very beautiful, but I kind of have that own little like edgy twist to it. So I try to like add that little scary twist to everything that I have. Now, when it comes to putting a look together for a gig, mm-hmm. what is your process like? Um, it's usually like, like the, it depends what I'm doing. So right now, like my weekly gig is at Hush and it's with Neon and Miss Pat Lady and they're fierce dancers. I am a hardcore pointer sister. So when we started that gig, I was like, I can't dance the way they can. Like they're going to murder on stage, but my strengths are my looks. So ever since that show, ever since post pandemic, even with like Megami and Zabaleta in Brooklyn, I just kind of had the mindset of like, your strengths are your looks. And if you come in with a big outfit and a big look, they're not going to expect you to dance. And then I'll feel more comfortable. So it's kind of that. It's just like showing up in a new outfit every single night I perform, making sure I always have big hair, something big to really stand out and kind of be the biggest girl on stage costume wise, because I'm not going to be doing the dips and splits and kicks and handstands and stuff. 
That's fair. You have competed in your fair share of drag competitions from Polish to Queen to Drag Wars to Iconic. How did these competitions shape you and prepare you to get out there in the drag scene? And look, Queen, if it wasn't for the pandemic. That's true. That's true. I just feel, I think they all kind of challenged me to push me out of my comfort zone. Um, All those were kind of so early in my career where I kind of had an idea where I wanted Virginia to go. I just, cause I wasn't sure how to get there. And they all kind of like pushed me and really helped me like kind of figure out how to stand out among the crowd and push myself out of my comfort zone, but still stay true to who I am and not do something that wasn't me. Even though there are lots of performances out there and competitions where I'm like, what was I doing? I'm not a Hell's Kitchen queen like that. Why would I even do that? Why are competitions like that important to make careers for drag artists starting out? I think it's just, uh, it's a guarantee. I like to think of it as it's a guaranteed opportunity to perform Mm -hmm. with kind of girls that hopefully you get to know and kind of form like a little family, at least friendship with. And um, you get a really fine tune and it kind of gives you certain topics to like work on, like certain themes, like, you know, like there was like a prosthetic week or like animal week. So it kind of, forces you to dabble down that road to see if you like it or not or how to use that in the future um yeah i think it just helps you kind of grow it it gives it opens all the doors for you to try to figure out what you really like and hopefully open a door that to something you didn't know you liked what would you say the benefits are of a one-off competition and the benefits of a long-form competition um one-off competitions are cheaper it's one night that's it you win you lose that's it um I feel long-term competitions, if you're interested in like, like I took a long-term, like I took uh, Iconic kind of as like an opportunity to kind of practice for drag race is to just do what is told, whether it's something I want to do or not. Um, So I think you have that, or if you even want to go into like the pageant system, a long-term competition kind of helps you with that aspect of it, where the one nights are kind of like, oh, I don't work tomorrow. I'm going to like put on drag real quick and head down to Stonewall and compete and see if I can make some money. Aside from the sisterhoods that you created and built mm-hmm. through the competitions, what are some of your fondest memories through working some of these gigs? Um, it's always like my most recent fondest memory is like doing the show with Neon. Like I, I used to watch her videos on YouTube all the time um, before I started drag, after I started drag. And I just thought she was like an icon. Like everyone knew who she was. She did the, like in the house of the lore and did nightgowns mm-hmm. and it's i think one of my fondest memories is just getting to know someone that i admire so much and i just think that they are so cool and i have their phone number and they text me like hey i'm gonna watch drag race and i do want to come and i still get like a little giddy and i'm like that's crazy like i used to just like be a super fan of this person and and now they're texting me if i want to watch drag race like that's i think a fond memory and then also just watching my friends like Zavaleta just like grow and succeed and just do the amazing things that like I I always saw in them and that's just an amazing experience just to kind of watch your friend's life just like take off let's talk about Hush Sunday nights at Hush yourself Neon Calypso and Miss Lady the Plant Lady come together for a red light special tell us about the show yeah the show is all about like body positivity sex um everyone's welcome so we always should add like a little sexy um female empowerment uh mood to the atmosphere um those two are dancing queens 
Neon has got me doing some choreo. Um, <laughs> every month she's like, I'm going to add a little more to the choreo for you. So um, yeah, it's really, it's, it's definitely pushed me out of my comfort zone. Um, when Marty first uh, emailed and called about Sun, she asked me for a different night. And I was like, I can't. The only night I don't work, my day job is Sundays. So she's like, I'll get back to you. But she's like, cool, we'll put you on Sunday night. I thought I was hosting a dance party. Like I thought I was going to be very like Ritz on a Friday or Saturday where I would walk around and schmooze with people. I'd pop up, do one number and like, that was it. And then she's like, cool, we paired you with Neon. And I was like, fucking shit, this is a real show. Oh my God. And I like started panicking. Um, and then we brought on Miss Lady and um, I was still scared shitless that we had to do this like a legit Hell's Kitchen show at the old therapy space. Um, but yeah, we thought of red light special, just very like sexy, sexy, sexy drug. Now, do you utilize the stripper poles? I do. I ripped so many Christian tights on those stripper poles. <laughs> um, I, I look very dainty in drag, but I am still just like a dude who works out. So I manhandled those poles. I like grab them and just like a dude would just like swing around the poles. Um, I'm not graceful at all, but, um, you know, three drinks of tequila and I think I'm tiny. Well, it, it, I mean, speaking of your figure, you, you, you mm-hmm. had, you are Virginia thick, um, yeah. but out of drag, uh, y- your muscles, you, you, your go-go boy is there. <laughs> yeah. That former go-go boy still lives within Virginia. Um, so we have to do a lot to like cover him up and like cinch him in to make him super feminine. But yeah, it's still there. And I think just the like going back to like the competitions, like the why I love it, like I'm I'm a very competitive person. Like I, I do I do want to win everything and I kind of like go all out like what it takes to win. So um, but that's I think just like growing up playing sports and and working out and like just being that person. It's just like I will if I can't do it, I'll just like literally muscle through it. So, so you you had mentioned that you hadn't worked with Neon before. Had you worked with uh, Miss Lady before? Yes. So I worked with this lady a few times pre-pandemic, just like in and out. Like mm-hmm. we were both at the same show. Um, and then as soon as bars opened, me, Megami, Zavaleta, and Miss Plant Lady started to show at Happy Fun Hideaway. We just did it once a month. We would theme it out. So we'd have a reason to get really dressed up really big. Um, and that was the first time I had like a steady gig with Miss Plant Lady. That show ended right when Dragula started airing. So we kind of ended that show and me, Miss Plant Lady and DJ Lady Simon moved over to Hush to start Red Light Special. And like literally the following month is when Red Light Special started. So we've kind of been working together post-pandemic every Sunday. What is it about the dynamic of you, Neon and Miss Lady that works? It, we always talk about it, it just works. Um, I feel like Neon's super dancy. I'm super lucky. And Miss Lady's right in the middle. She dances and she can pull out some good looks. And for some, we were just thrown together, but we, mm-hmm. it just kind of, it all works and we all complement each other. Um, uh, yeah, like it's really hard to explain, but that is one of the compliments that we get like at the end of the show is like, wow, you guys just like really vibe off each other. And to me, that's the biggest one. I'm like, yeah, like it just works. Like we've, me and Neon, I've never really worked before. I've never even talked to her before. And we just like banter on mic back and forth. And I don't even like talking on mic. So that's a huge thing for me too, is that I have to talk on mic now. And um, yeah, it just kind of all works. I think we just all have the, 
we all respect each other and just know what our drag is and respect what each other's do. And yeah, we just gonna have a good time. What New York City drag artist that you've yet to work with is on your wish list? To work with? Mm -hmm. I want to work with all of them. Um, Like I would say, like I would love to work with like Jasmine and Laguna. Um, Mm -hmm. I think they're just kind of like staples in New York. Um, I worked with Serena T last night which girl she is professional she is amazing um and i also stand baby love so i would love to work with them is there a drag venue that you dream of performing at um yes so i would love to perform at mickey's for showgirls i feel that Mm -hmm. is like that is like one of the places to perform um anywhere in hell's kitchen which i'm doing right now um roscoe's in chicago the big ones. Um, the big, just the big ones. I, I don't want to perform at the Palace in Miami because that is not my drag, but I want to go so bad just to like go uh, to drag brunch. Um, right, I went to play- Oasis okay. in San Francisco, but I performed there last time I was there, which was a huge goal of mine too. We're going to play our first game. It's called This or That. Very simple. I'm going to give you two options. You're going to pick the one you like. You ready? Okay. Yes, do it. Tea or coffee? Uh, coffee. Breakfast or dinner? Breakfast for dinner. Cake or pie? <laughs> uh, uh, pie. Bus or subway? Oh, subway. Instagram or Facebook? Instagram. YouTube or TikTok? Uh, I'm going to say true to YouTube. Modern or classic? Modern. Winter or summer? Uh, oh my God, both in New York suck. I'm going to say summer, <laughs> but California, California summer. Tattoos or piercings? Tattoos. Kinky or vanilla? Kinky. East Coast or West Coast? Um, West Coast purely for the weather. Comedy or horror? Um, comedy. Witches or vampires? Vampires. Good or evil? Evil. Drag or go-go? Oh, drag. All right. We love to go behind the music a little bit and learn about Mm. your signature number. So what would you say is your signature number and how did it become your signature number? My signature number? Um, I I don't think I have like a signature number that I do, but Mm. I love to find these mashups on YouTube and perform those. So it's always... But it's always like Dua Lipa and Lady Gaga mashups. So it's just like the same four songs just rearranged differently. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel that's just the way I can get like kind of two songs into one. And uh, I mean, it's always like art pop, Judas, (laughs) applause, just kind of (laughs) rearranged differently. So I always know the words. Now, obviously, we love a good drag roulette. As Mm -hmm. performers, sometimes we hate drag roulettes because you never Mm -hmm. know what's coming. This is your plea. You get your chance right now to tell the audience, stop requesting these songs. What do you want stopped? Stop requesting these songs. I have the musical taste of um, like a high school girl. So anything like, like I love Meg Thee Stallion, but like I know, like Doja Cat, I know none of those songs. So I, 
in drag roulette, like I love the Taylor Swifts, I love the Britney Spears, I love the Christina Aguilera's, I love that white girl music. Those are the ones that I know. So anything like anything cool, I'm out. I please, please none of that. Well, speaking of music, music is universal and it brings people together and helps give a little insight on a person. In this game, we're going to create a playlist of nine songs that are the soundtrack of your life. Welcome to Virginia's Ultimate Playlist. So I'm going to give you a prompt and you're going to give me a song that fits. Okay. All right. First off, a song from your childhood. A song from my childhood. Um, uh, Child, like, uh, okay. So my first song I ever remember on MTV was, I don't know what it's called. It's called Open the Door. Everybody wants that dinosaur. Okay. Do you, I don't know if you know that song. It's I don't really know if I know video. it. It's from the late 80s, early 90s. Um, okay. I just remember wanting to watch MTV just to see that song. So that's like childhood, early, early childhood. A song that reminds you of your first love. Oh, my first love. Okay. It's a really sad song. It's called Boats and Birds by Gregory and the Hawk. I have it. The, right. I have the lyrics tattooed down the back. A song that gets you in the mood to party. Uh, mood to party would be uh, Sweet But Psycho, Ava Max. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A song that you listen to when you're done, down. A song that's when I'm down is um, Consequences by Camille Cabello. I think she sings it. Yeah, Camille right. Cabello, Consequences. A song from Quarantine. Doja Cat, say so. A song that you TikTok. listen to on repeat. A song I listen to on, okay, Miss Prada Voodoo Pussy is like always mm-hmm. on, always mm-hmm. on. A song that reminds you of California. Um, Californication. The OC song, opening theme song. Uh-huh, uh-huh. A song that screams pride. Um, I'm coming out. And finally, the song that made you who you are. The song that made me who I am. Oh, that's a hard one. Oh my God. Um, the song that made, oh, I don't even know. <sighs> probably a Taylor Swift say, song, right? Pro- probably Taylor Swift. <laughs> like I'm a little old, so I didn't make me who I am. That's just what I love. Um, I would say like a Spice Girl song where they just like allowed me to like dance for the first time and like, mm-hmm. feel, like spice up your life. I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're not familiar with the website Cameo, you can book a celebrity to record a message for you or a loved one for a small price, but each celebrity has a different cost. In this game, you have to guess who costs more. We're going to do the Cameo game show. You ready? Okay, let's do it. All right, it's Drag Race Edition. First up, Aiden Zane or La La Ree? La La Ree. That's correct. Cost She's more. 109. Aiden Zane is 40. Wait, is she really? Yeah. Holy shit. Go her. <laughs> Next up, Alyssa Hunter or Angeria Paris Van Michaels? Angeria Paris Van Michaels. That's correct. She is 55. Alyssa Hunter is 40. Next up, Bag of Chips or Blue Hydrangea? I'm going to say Bag of Chips because I feel like she doesn't do it as often, so she's going to charge more for when she does it. It's Bag of Chips. She's 125. Blue is 50. Really? Only 50? Only 50. Okay. Next, we have Coco Montrese or Trinity K. Bonet. <gasps> Coco, uh, no. Trinity K. Bonet is going to cost more. Trinity is 54. Coco, 75. Wow, good Coco. 
Next up, Denali or Tamisha Iman. Denali is going to cost more. That's correct. She's 100. Tamisha Iman is 60. Next, we have the girl who opened doors, Gia Gunn or Kylie Sanuk Love. Um, see, my gut wants to say Kylie Sanuk Love because she's a winner, but it's Gia Gunn. So I feel like she could have a high price point. Um, I'm going to go with Kylie Sanuk Love's higher. That's correct. She is 150. Gia is 54. Next, we have Jan or Lemon. Lemon's more. Lemon is $50. Jan jumped up to $125. Work, Jan. Get your money. <laughs> right. Next, we have Joey J or Rock'em Sakura. Rock'em Sakura is more. She's 35. Joey J, 49. Oh. Got to get that um, more money if you're hot, I guess. Exactly. She does it out of drag. That's why. Next. Actually, she does. Um, <laughs> next, we have Manila Luzon or Nikki Doll. Manila Luzon, for sure. That's correct. She's 200. Nikki is 80. Though maybe that price will be going up soon if the room is I just true. saw that video. If it's true, I don't know. <laughs> next up is Angina or Pandora Box. Uh, Angina is going to be more, but I feel like only about like five dollars. Angina is a hundred. Pandora box is at seventy-four. A hundred dollars. Yeah. And finally, how much can you get a cameo for from Dieteritz? Dieteritz is going to be um seventy. She's fifty-five. Go get it, friends. Yes. Yeah, get it before, I don't know, maybe, maybe she's on TV again. I don't know, that's, that's, maybe. that's the thing. Who knows? She was supposed to be our guest for the Glam Awards after party, but that was a big snowstorm, so. Yeah, snow sucks. It does, it does. Why is representation important in nightlife? I think, it, it, I don't think. It's just important for people going out who enjoy nightlife just to see someone who looks like them working in nightlife. Um, because it's just the world we live in. Like our world's diverse and and you need to see that everywhere you go. And um, drag race has changed that a lot. But I think like if you, like if someone in the audience that wants to do drag, but they don't see any drag queens of color or that look like them or their body size, they can think that, oh, maybe I won't do drag because I don't have the body or my skin color is not, not the right color for that. Or I'll never be successful even if I do because none of the girls on stage look like me. Um, so it's important just for that, just to show that like anyone can do anything. Now you used to participate in Emmy Grades A plus. Yes. What what made that show special? It was the only Pan Asian drag review in the city, so we would do it once a month, and it was an all Asian cast, and it wasn't just drag; it was drag. Um, I, would, I don't know if they would consider themselves like drag artists or just artists, mm. um, singers, comedians, burlesque dancers, and just a full Asian cast. Um, and I think the one cool thing she did, it was almost like a talk show format where everyone would do two numbers, but then she would also ask the questions about how like their life as an Asian American, about their lives as an Asian American and how they grew up and how that's different than like normal Western culture. So you kind of see the performances, see the really cool things, then you get to know a little bit behind these performers and kind of why they do the things that they do today. Now, I don't want to feed her ego, but does that show need to come back? I think it does. I, I mean, there's still no Asian show out there. And, yeah. um, and I think it was special and it was unique. And I think there is an audience for it. 
and I would like for it to come back. Okay, we're feeding your ego, Emmy. You can bring the show back. (laughs) Please, Emmy, bring the show back. How does gender identity play a role in Dragon Nightlife? Um, How does it play a role? Like, gender identity, um, it's it's always a hard question because it never really matters to me. Um, But I think in nightlife, it's it's just one of the things is just like it just to show the diversity and the different types of people out there and that everyone can do everything so it is important because i know that everyone's not like me um where they just don't care as long as you're doing what you love um but i think it needs to be seen for the people who don't understand that that people who are born female can do drag and people that were born female that identify as male can do female looking drag and you know, anywhere in between. It just, it needs to be seen and it needs to be said so people understand and know that you've probably been watching these performers the entire time, whether they're working behind the bar, drag queens or go-go dancing, that you think maybe they're super masculine or super feminine, but you don't know how they were born or how they identified for the first half of their life until they like truly found who they were. Um, So unfortunately, not unfortunately, but it does need to be said for the people that don't understand that. Um, and it would be nice if everyone I feel were kind of like my mindset and like a lot of my friends were like, I don't care what you were born with. I don't care how you identify you're a cool person. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, but there are people that don't see it like that. And I think it's important that we amplify those voices and let it be seen. So people understand. How important is social media and the drag scene today? I think it's super important. It's kind of, I think a majority of my drag is social media because I don't perform every night of the week that I rely heavily on that. And it really helps get you out there before to get your name known in a different city, you would have to travel and book gigs somewhere else, which you did through social media anyways. But now I can interact with people like in London and the UK who I've never met in person, but we talk to each other like every single week online. So it's very, very important to get your name out there. Drag is becoming more and more mainstream. Is it going Mm -hmm. in the right direction? I think it is. I think it never hurts to have anything that was so small and such a niche. It never hurts to open it up and let other people kind of experience it. And there's going to be those growing pains of people who don't normally go to drag shows or don't watch drag, straight people usually, um, to see how different drag is and how they're, they've just kind of stepped into the world of drag. And I think, oh, males have to dress as females and the more feminine or passable you look that then that's the better drag you have and so i think that having drag more mainstream allows people to see all the different categories of drag um and there's going to be growing pains but i do think it's headed in the right direction i agree all right we're doing everyone's favorite game it's time for tea time where you're going to spill some tea on some of your favorite friends sisters colleagues people you performed with, people you competed against, people you love, people you hate. I don't know. We're going to find <laughs> let's out. Let's do Are you it. Ready? Mostly hate. Let's do it. All right. Let's see. Do you hate this person? Zavaleta. Hate her so much. Um, no, I love her. She's one of my best friends. Um, one of my, besides my two original friends I knew before moving to New York, she, um, her and Magami are my best friends here. We text each other every single day. Um, they're my writer dies. So love her. All right. Next up, Magami. Same. 
say Megami can read a bitch. Um, I try to make Megami read me. I try to make Megami roast me every chance she gets. I love it. I love it. I love it. She is so mean. Yep. Yep. She's roasted <laughs> me before. She she has a good tongue. Like Zavaleta is just mean. Zavaleta is like your bitch cunt. That's it. Mm-hmm. Megami will like dig deep into you, and that's what I love. That's fair. <laughs> All right. Next up, Stassi. She is crazy. Saucy is literally insane. Um, we just went to California, and I thought I, I wasn't sure what to expect, and it was it was good. She's clinically insane, and and I love it. She's the opposite of me. She's the complete opposite. She probably takes the opposite of you. And if she if you're like I want to sleep in, you're like she's like no, we're gonna go party. Exactly. Yeah, she is non 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 stop. Um, it's like, hey, we're going to go to bed now. We're going to wake up early <laughs> and go get breakfast and get ready for drag early. So we're on time. Um, that's Stassi. Next up, Blue. Blue's real. Blue has become one of the people that I have kind of just relied on and that I kind of open up to whenever I need like someone to talk to. She's just always there. She's just a really, really, really solid friend. Next, we And have one of those that- people that from before too, like she an AFAB queen and yeah. I didn't know that meeting her. So mm-hmm. I think she's also plays a huge role in the community because she's, her name's getting bigger and bigger. Just that representation too. So. And very talented. Yes. Very talented. Well, speaking of talent, Madeline Hatter. <sighs> Madeline Hatter. She is so mean. Um, I love Madeline Hatter. I do think all my friends are very mean apparently. So <laughs> I think that says a lot about me. Um, I, I love her. A lot of people are scared of her. Um, I don't know. I just think it's cool that I can talk back to her. And yeah. she just like sits right back at me. Um, no, I mean, like I owe her a lot. She really helped me a lot with my drag career. So Amazing. Yeah, I mean, she and I have been talking about doing a podcast for months now. Well, we're going to make it happen at some point. Good luck. So listen, Madeline doesn't but- leave her house unless it's like mm-hmm. to get paid for a gig. And half the time mm-hmm. she like calls us. Yeah, I'm not going to do it today. Someone can cover for me. Yeah. So <laughs> All I say is good luck with that. Yeah. All right. Next up, they're a glam winner, Boys Charm. Boys Charm. Boys Charm has been DJing a Sunday night show. Um, I met them when I started drag two at Pieces at Drag Wars. Um, they're cool. Boys Charm knows all the gossip. So whenever I see something <laughs> on Twitter, on an Instagram story, I get a random text. Um, me and Megami and Z we're always like, we have to text Blue to ask Boyish Charm what actually happened because they know everything. Yeah. And they, like, as soon as it happens, they know it. So they're like, our in, like, that's where we get all of our gossip from is from Boyish. I love it. From or deny anything. <laughs> all right. Next up, someone who left the city, but now they're in DC. It's Seraphim. Oh, Seraphim. Oh, they're a sweetheart. They're so kind. I remember meeting them for the first time at the Ritz and um, we were competing for open call and I was so scared because their drag was so good. Um, mm-hmm. And then I saw them dance and um, <laughs> I can't dance, but I was definitely a better dancer than them. So I was less scared. And then I just, then we just became friends. Yeah. Uh, one day. So we're going to get her uh, some dancing lessons. It'll, it'll be if fun. I can do it, she can do it. I know she mm-hmm. can. All right. Next up, Johanna. Johanna. She's so pretty. Um, we would pop through at the Ritz. She's beautiful. If I ever go on Drag Race, I have like literally certain outfits of hers that I've screenshotted that I'm going to be hitting uh, her up to borrow. She has a beautiful gold call. cape and a beautiful mm. like lion head cape coat yes. thing. And yes. um, hopefully she lets me borrow them because I don't want to spend I'm that sure much she will. on Drag Race. Yeah. Next up, Elise Navy Dad. 
Oh, we saw Dodd. She beat me at um, Stonewall mm-hmm. for the Polish Queen by one point. Um, Whoa! It, have, it was one point, and like, good for her. That's great. And um, I would say that competition was possibly a little rigged towards my favor and I still didn't win um, because at the time I was in the house of blaze and so they counted the points over and over again and then Chrissy was like would run over and be like we're going to recount we're going to recount because it's so close it's so close and they recounted and like made everyone like double check that you sure you wanted to score at least that you sure you wanted to score Virginia <laughs> that um so it was rigged in my favor and I still lost at one point I was there that night I thought I thought you had it in the bag I really did I did too. I mean, those are the biggest looks I made at the time. I really thought I had it. Mm-hmm. I still couldn't dance. I couldn't walk that, downstairs in it's, heels. It's, and it's, it's the ball hair every time. It's my favorite. <laughs> I still have it rolled up in my closet. All right. Next we have Nasty Queen. Nasty Queen. I haven't seen her in so long. She's a sweetheart. We did DragCon together. We worked in Mad's booth. Um, she also would watch my dogs when I would go home. So I literally trust her with my babies. Literally. She's, she's my responsible friend. Like <laughs> I would, I would trust nobody else that you've said so far with my dogs. She's the only one I would trust. There it is. All right. Next up, Juicy Lou. Juicy Lou. Oh, Juicy Lou is somebody else that I actually knew of who they were before I actually met them. So I did fangirl a little bit over Juicy Lou. Um, and then getting to know And when she's going to hear that, she's going to be like, someone fangirled over me? What? Really? Huh? <laughs> I know, right? Okay, so I only knew because I fangirl over Miss Cracker. Um, the girls I love in drag are very all over the place. I love kind of one of everything. So Miss Cracker found out who Juicy Lou was, fangirled over Juicy Lou. Um, I feel they're almost like me. We're out of drag. They're very, like, quiet and reserved. And then, like, their music starts. And there's, okay, time to act. Yeah. And um, I feel that's how I am. Just, like, I'll sit in the corner by myself and the music goes on. And I'm like, all right, time to slut it up. Music did I, did I in fact, sneak Juicy Lou into the Glam Awards this year? Yes, I did. I gave did her my really? comp ticket. Yeah, I had because <laughs> I bought two VIP tickets and I had the comp mm-hmm. ticket. I was like, just take it. So we all went in together. No problems. Did you have to wait in the line? For an we hour did wait outside? in the line. But uh, when the it, the comp part happened, I we all walked in at the same time and said, so it's these two VIPs and then me. And then it all. Mm-hmm. no one knew. No one knew. <laughs> I beat the system. I love it. I love it. All right, next up, Emmy Great. Emmy Great. Emmy Great was one of the first girls to put me on cast for A+. Um, I always found them to be super professional, and they always, what I love about them is they kind of take drag to the next level, and I would say they're always kind of like opening the curtains behind drag because all their shows, um, it's more about the, more than just the performance. They kind of always want to introduce the person to the audience, um, and so I think she does a really good job of kind of opening the curtains behind drag a little bit for her shows. Next, we have Miss Lady, the plant lady. Miss Lady, the plant lady. I love her. She's the real body. Girl shows up in like literally a thong and a glare belt and like shakes it all over stage every Sunday night. And my foam ass doesn't shake. Um, a super, super, super wonderful person. Um, a heart of gold. Um, and she can turn it out. And she's crazy. She's crazy too. Finally, let's ask it. Neon Calypso. Neon Calypso, I would say, is a legend. Whenever mm-hmm. she performs, I just sit in the audience and watch her every single Sunday. Like, I work at a drag show, but I also get to see a drag show every Sunday with two of the best drag queens ever. Yeah. Um, she did the Dreams Gold number the whole way through last week. This week, she did this beautiful Black History Month spoken word. And um, 
I get to see amazing drag from her every single week. Awesome. What do you do in your time off? Sleep or go on TikTok. That's literally what I do. Do you have like a favorite um, TikTok trend? Um, I'm not into the trends okay, so okay. much. They get very repetitive. Like I like it when they first start and I watch like, the first dozen mm-hmm. or so and that's it. Um, I love like the puppy videos and anything mm-hmm. but like failing. Um, I do like to watch like the places to eat in New York or like the places to go out. So I bookmark all those. So after work, me and my friends can like go try different like happy hours and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, obviously right now I'm watching it for the Ukraine, Russia thing. So I'm watching mm-hmm. like, all the news ones in there. And it's just a great way to, I feel to get, if you follow the right accounts, a great way to get information really, really fast. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't do the TikTok. Um, I will find, like find after the fact, usually like a month or two later about certain trends. And I'm like, oh my God, I would love that. And I'm like, oh, y'all don't care it's, about it anymore. It's Fine. long gone. Oh, speaking of TikTok and the Glam Awards, there's some random person I don't even know. There's a video of me leaving the Glam Awards. The snow's like on the ground and it's me walking to my Uber. And it's, I'm in a gown, just like all curled up in like the high clear pleasers. And they put some sound effect over to it. But I was scrolling on TikTok and I was like, oh my God, that's me. Like full up dude, just like going through the snow to an Uber. And it took off. It's like their second most viewed. It has, I don't oh know, my like God. 60 something thousand views, likes and comments. And the comments were the best comments ever. I screenshotted every single one. They were like, if this bitch can walk through the snow and heels like that, I can get to work in the morning. Um, <laughs> she's not, not a stress on her mind. Someone tipped this queen. So this random person got a video of me on TikTok that like, went viral and uh the comment section was just like the nicest thing ever have you you um, spoken to this person i just sent them a dm i was like hey that's me they're like great this is cool like that's (laughs) it and i followed them (laughs) but like i read like all 111 comments and they're just like the funniest and nicest things ever so my little like glimpse of fame on tiktok has been great so far i love it all right you've fallen down a rabbit hole on youtube what are you watching videos of uh i am watching videos anything that trixie does so i love her like makeup reviews um Mm -hmm. her like any her toy stuff her and katya uh i get i used to work at a theme park so i love like behind the scenes disney how they build roller coasters expansions which is weird because i'm not like a disney gay um but i get really into it like the tron roller coaster being built i I'm so into it. Um, I know all the history of like why they're not doing this Harry Potter ride anymore mm-hmm. at the new Universal Expansion in Florida. I, Those are my videos too. I watch them all the time. Like, and they're just the same videos like over and over. Like how the Haunted House Mansion elevator works. I'll just watch mm-hmm. every single person talk about it. Do, um, do you want to share and, what um, theme park you worked at? Yeah, I worked at Six Flags in Northern California in Discovery Kingdom. Um, okay, okay. Not, not Magic Mountain. Not Magic Mountain. It's a smaller park. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I worked there. And that was like my career before moving to New York. Is there a favorite roller coaster you've been on? Um, no, because I get very emotional sickness. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so when I was roller- a kid. So you watch do- roller coaster videos, but you don't ride them. Exactly. And if they ever have a POV, like I can't watch any of the POV ones. I have to watch like the 3D renderings or just the blueprints. That's, that's what I watch. When I am super, super stoned, I will watch mm-hmm. roller coaster POVs. It's the greatest experience I've yeah. ever been through. 
The oh worst videos God. to stumble across are the ones where people like make on roller like roller coaster tycoon or whatever, yeah. and but they'll like the video will be like new roller coaster coming to Disney World, yeah. and then they do it, and you find out it's just a fan making what they think would be a cool roller coaster, right. and they go into the details and the specs and like the G force, and like halfway through I'm like, this this yeah. isn't. Then I get I get pissed. I get so pissed off. I'm like next I, video. I only want to watch same. the stuff. Same same. All right, let's say that the, the Drag Race Gods call. Mm-hmm. Who are you doing for Snatch Game? <sighs> Snatch Game. Okay, so here's the deal. Snatch Game is the only one, the only like challenge that I'm not going to do. So my idea of going to Snatch Game is that you're going to go down. You're going to lose. So go down in flames. So it would be very, it would either be like very controversial, like Alex Bourne's, it's Alex Bourne's scene as Miss Swan. Like just very like Giagon, just like take the ship down with you in flames. Or it'd be like Khloe Kardashian, just someone who I or Courtney Kardashian, like someone very just like calm and chill that I can just kind of like weasel by in a low placement and just yeah. get to the next episode. It's, Everything else I'm excited for. Just snatch game. Like, sucks to know how much I adored the character of Miss Swan, not knowing how terrible it was. I know that she said. It's based on Bjork, blah, 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 blah. But mm-hmm. you dig deeper, it's no. It's not. No, it's every Asian stereotype. And they have the thing now when you apply, you have to do um, characters that are of your like ethnic origin. So you can't, like, I couldn't be like, I, I couldn't go pretend to be a So you can't be Jujube doing share. Right. I don't know how she got it. I guess I think white's always on the table. I think if you're white, <laughs> you can be someone else. You can't. So I was going to just play up my Asian card and be like, listen, this is it. Let's just yeah. take the ship down the flames. There it is. If you had to pick one New York City drag artist to be your partner on The Amazing Race, who would it be? Um, amazing Race. Um, I think it would have to be Megami. I think she's mm-hmm. the right amount of like works well under stress and can like provide and get through it. Um, and level-headed and just like she's a real big fighter like me i think we have the same thing she will muscle through anything who's going to be eating the weird stuff oh i wouldn't mind eating the weird stuff who's jumping off the buildings i mean i would prefer she do it right but i would do it too yeah i got some fan corner questions for you are you ready let's do it let's do it all right this is uh we kind of answered it before but we'll go a little deeper Mm -hmm. this is a question from obscura where did Mm -hmm. you get your inspiration for your mug um Raven. Okay, so it's Raven, obviously. Like that is my number one queen of queens. Um, but then also like I love Yara Sophia, just like the harsh lines. And I think that was you could see that a lot more in like my first year or two of drag, like the really harsh contour and um eyeliner. But Raven. Because Raven does drag, yeah. but she also does it so softly. Like Miss Fame does beautiful work, but like Raven still does drag. Sure. This is a question from Amanda Massacre. Mm-hmm. What's next for Virginia? Any desire to be part of a reality TV show? The desire is always there to be part of a reality TV show. I'm just waiting for them to realize that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that that I, I, I really want that platform. Right now, I do drag on my days off of work. Um, I work at a new salon. And when the salon opened, I, I had like a conversation with my bosses and the owners that I was going to put like my day job first and do drag around that schedule, which was different than what it was pre-pandemic. Um, and drag is, it's an art and getting paid by an art is 
scary because you don't know when the next paycheck's coming and you never know how much it's going to be. And for me, that's too scary to take the jump. So I feel to be on a reality TV show and have that platform and to kind of do my art as my full-time job, it would be amazing. Now, we obviously have been discussing Drag Race as an option for you. Yeah. What about Dragula? Is, it still on, is that on the table? It was on the table. I, I, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to audition this year for Dragula. Um, those girls, monsters, are just way too creative. I think I could be the edgy one on Drag Race easily. I would be like the bland, boring one on Dracula easily. So um, I think my drag has kind of taken a little shift and hopefully it was just a little shift to like a little more glamor than a little more horror and scary. What was it like watching Zavaleta on the show? I loved it. Um, we had the talk with Zavaleta before she went on. We're like, hey, so let's have a heart to heart. You're kind of a bitch. And are you sure? And you're going to be okay with like, being a bitch on TV and like all the things. She's like, yeah, I'm fine with it. Um, and she was, she was fine with it. And it, I think she was herself. Like she yeah. didn't hold back. That's the Zappaletta that we all know and love. And it's just so weird and funny, like between her and like even seeing Matt on it, like she's just running her mouth, talking her shit. And like me and Magami are like, why aren't these people talking back to her? Just tell her to shut up. <laughs> like that's a redo. And they were just like, I felt like everyone was so scared. Um, so it's kind of funny to see the way different people interact with her. But I guess that's what people do with her in real life. And man, they, go, they get intimidated. And it's just like, stop, just talk back to her. She's a normal person. Yeah, I mean, I, I recapped all the episodes. And mm-hmm. and I remember after that first episode, like knowing that there has to be a, a, some sort of arc for Zavaleta yeah. for the season. But just going on Reddit and seeing some of the things like that were out there, I, I don't know how it must have been for you all to be around her and be like, it's okay. These, these people are actually crazy fans. And <laughs> it's going to be okay. They don't want you to actually die. Yeah. I th- she had a good head on her shoulder. I think she went in knowing she has a really good sense of herself. So mm-hmm. she went in knowing who she is. And she, I think she knows how some people can take that. And so, I mean, that first episode, I think she did amazing. She, she was the talk of the episode, mm-hmm. which is you're on TV. They need to be talking about you as long as they spell your name right in Reddit. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. um it, it that was like a little like oh but this, her arc did turn yeah. um but she was herself and I love her for that and I mean she carried that show until the end top four was amazing but um she was the performer and I'm very bitter they're not taking her on tour with them because it's gonna be a very boring stage show yeah without her well, I have my previous guest ask my gir- current guest a question and this mm-hmm. is a question from Jax uh-huh if you were going to make merchandise that was not wearable, what would it be? Not wearable. Um, like, like not everyday wearable, but I would make like a full-blown like silicone bodysuit of my body in drag, like the drag version. <laughs> like just have okay. the tits up, that, and I would want to do like the whole like silicone face mask with the bugs on. So you could mm-hmm. technically wear it. You just wouldn't be able to wear it every day. That would be like, they would just have like a little like V thick tattoo, like tramp stamp or something, you know. I love like it. I'm here for brand. it. Brand. Yeah. Well, now is your turn to ask my next guest a question. And it can be okay. a question about anything you want. Wait, do I know who your next guest is? Nope. <sighs> These are all blind questions. Um, okay. Okay. So for your next guest, 
because okay so we're just gonna go on the drag race they are um they have to make like an eight like they have to rap a verse to like a song so like what would like their eight bar rap be all right let's see if i can like, put someone on the spot i'm here like, for it put the sentences together and make them rhyme they don't have to like do it to a beat or anything i just want to hear like what they would rap all right out. i'm here I, i'm here for like that. a very lemon verse would be kind <laughs> All right. Well, we here on Block Talk are trying to always expand the community and hear new voices. Who would you like to hear an interview from in the future? Um, I think you should definitely interview Dawn. She is a new queen from the Midwest somewhere. She just moved to Brooklyn. She's doing bitch mm-hmm. fest with Zavaleta. Her makeup is amazing. She's probably 21 years old, if that. Um, she's going to go really big and really far. Just her makeup is so sick. Y'all have to check her out. Instagram is up till dawn. Um, I think she's going to be like one of the next big things in Brooklyn and New York. And, and I see her having a very like luxe New Orleans London, like take mm-hmm. off just like Lux was so such a unique look and took off. And I think Dawn can do the same thing. I love that. Well, where can we find you on social media, Venmo and any more projects you want to plug? Oh my gosh. Social media. Um, Instagram is vthick, V.T.H.I.C.C. Twitter is the full name. So Virginia Thick. You can always follow me on TikTok. That's the thing too. Um, they're just recycled Instagram stories for now. Um, I have no major, I have like a couple like looks that I'm working on that I would love to like shoot some a little content for just like little video shorts. So hopefully those will be coming out soon. Um, and then just Sundays at Hush. Just if you're around Sundays, come out to Hush. It's a really great show. Um, it's something really special. We definitely do bring Brooklyn bar drag into like the New York Hell's Kitchen scene. And I think it, I don't think it, I know it just catches everybody off guard. Just how crazy Brooklyn drag is put into a house kitchen space. Here for it. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. The biggest thanks to Virginia for coming on. Listen to block talk, wherever you find your podcast. And don't forget to visit buymeacoffee.com slash block talk to show support for the pod. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at through the via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. 